Hello everyone, welcome to the Octane 101 podcast. I am Akshay. Or I'm Sayan. And you're listening to the very first episode. Yes, the first episode after three years of working on it. Not, not really working on it, but rather making hypothetical plans about it. Uh, better late than never. So Akshay, what's this podcast all about? So for a long time, both you and I have obviously been interested in motorcycles and cars and tech and, and the things around it. But we realized that a lot of auto publications, a lot of sources where we were getting our dose of auto are actually talking about just cars in the, in the most vanilla sense. Uh, yes, that's true. So, I mean, now is the time to move past what, what time are cars taking and doing 0 to 60 or 0 to 100 or what cars are giving the best mileage. Like the auto industry is changing around us. Our cars are not just cars anymore. Our motorcycles are not just two wheels with an engine. So we thought it would be a good idea to talk about all the tech or, or rather the whole tech ecosystem that is evolving around these cars and motorcycles. So with the Octane 101 podcast, and actually there was another a blog that I started with the same name a couple of years ago. Didn't really follow through much on that. But hopefully this podcast will continue and will keep bringing a lot of what tech you see in the auto space. So let's let's give it a go. That's right. We have already planned the next 10 episodes. So yes. Actually, we barely scrambled through the content for the first episode. But nevertheless, so because we are clo- recording this podcast at the end of 2019, I think it would be a good idea to start with the things that we really liked in 2019. What were the key highlights in, in the, the auto tech space for you this year? Electric cars, electric cars. So 2019 has been all about electric cars, right? We The automobile industry is going through this massive transition, which has never happened in the last like three, four decades. I agree. So electric cars 2019. And finally, finally, India is now opening up to electric cars. We have seen a couple of launches, uh, Hyundai Kona and... Actually, more than the launches, I would say there is a narrative going around. Like people around us are actually talking about buying electric cars now. Because like until recently, what what electric cars we had, I'd say E-Verito and Mahindra E2O. What do you think was uh, the main problem that India wasn't opening up to electric cars? I, I would say it is more of a cash 22 situation. Like the, the car manufacturers, of course, they have some product or the other available in the global markets that they could bring here. But of course, they wait for the government to introduce some sort of incentives, some sort of subsidies, or maybe some sort of incentive for them to set up a charger network. Absolutely. I think uh, for electric cars, the pricing and uh, infrastructure are two of the biggest hurdles. Infrastructure, yes. But... Uh, in addition to that, I think it was also the, the lack of exciting enough products in the market. I mean, uh, almost a decade ago, we saw a lot of companies bringing out those very boring, hideous looking electric scooters. But like nobody would get excited about them. But recently, a Bangalore-based company, I believe, Ultraviolet, uh, the, the company in which TVS is also a stakeholder, they have finally brought out an electric motorcycle that gets motorcyclists like us excited as well then there was this harley davidson live wire another great product that gets people excited that gets people to turn head and notice that okay these guys are doing something electric motorcycles are not a joke but can actually be a serious contender to the the motorcycles we desire yeah that's right and that that i want to ask you a very interesting question 
what do you think uh, should motorcycles lead the way in electric uh, electrification of automobiles in india or it should be cars like it has happened in international markets i think it can be either depending on the price point these guys are touching like uh, if you look at a mahindra e2o or a mahindra e verito these cars come at a lower price point so typically their audience like at a 8 to 10 lakh rupee price bracket i'm not exactly sure how many people can afford to experiment at that price point however with hyundai kona which comes at around what 25 lakh right at that price point hopefully there will be a lot of buyers who are buying it as a second vehicle they can afford to experiment they can afford to take the gamble of having just one city car and maybe another petrol powered or diesel powered car that they use on highways that would be much easier to adopt even though it won't bring in the volumes it would get people to take notice people take notice of a premium product everyone talks about a bugatti veyron nobody is buying it a similar scenario again with motorcycles if you try to sell a electric motorcycle to someone who's otherwise buying a hero splendor or a passion or a platina or a similar product that person is limited by resources and wants the safest option he or she is not really willing to experiment he or she can't afford to experiment and make a gamble on the other hand someone buying say a kawasaki ninja 650 or even a ktm duke 390 may be more likely to experiment or try out something new yeah that's that's a great point but that uh, that makes me question that who do you think will lead the way an unknown company a small startup like tesla did 10 years back or it would be a traditional company with a, a top down approach like uh, something like a ducati or like harley davidson is doing with their live wire motorcycle right uh, will they be able to uh, transform this uh, phase because we already have seen that cars car industry has already adopted electrification to a certain extent but motorcycle brands are still still dealing with it still struggling with it we have just seen zero as a company which is doing pretty good internationally at least they are known but uh, there are no other brands which are still making any kind of impression in this space what do you think about it so this is again just my personal opinion but i think newer brands coming in have a much better chance of succeeding why is that so so i i think so because with the approach i am talking about like uh, brands start not at the bottom but rather at the top with premium products performance products to first get people excited and then target the volumes again that requires starting at a smaller scale they they can totally afford to be present in just like like if you are selling a 10 lakh rupee motorcycle you can totally afford to be present in just mumbai delhi and bangalore in india you don't really need 500 dealerships spread across the country obviously when it comes to scale you won't be able to match the likes of bajaj or royal enfield or hero but if you are starting small you can totally choose to do that and another point i would like to add here is that people have certain expectations of a brand like what what happened what we saw with harley davidson live wire people have come to expect loud cruisers to be twin powered from harley davidson and all of a sudden there were reddit forums full of people complaining about why is harley going the electric route and why is harley making us such a radical looking motorcycle and even though it was not very much radical looking it was a radical looking motorcycle for harley davidson what do you think that's right but uh, uh isn't it that much more difficult for a startup to get people excited buyers excited to spend that 
4 lakhs, 5 lakhs into a motorcycle, into an unknown brand. The case with Tesla was very different because Tesla is basically based out of California and they got a lot of celebrities and tech guys, big tech honchos excited about their cars. They were the early adopters and that's how the whole thing trickled down. But will a company, will a motorcycle company like Tesla, even let's say like Tesla, do well in India? Because the, the, the same circumstances, conditions do not exist in India. That is actually a good point you have raised. I mean, even for startups to start capturing the market, they'll need the initial adopters. And that would be quite at all order from for them. That's right. Because India, let's say even in the tech space or any other space, India is not known to be known for early adopters. Yes, when something becomes very famous in the international markets in America or Europe, then India picks it up and runs with it. But India is definitely not known as early adopters, be it tech space, be it apps, be it anything. Till the time we don't get proper validation from other markets, we choose to neglect that. That's true. So the very first topic we picked and we are at a position with neither one of us as the answer. If you guys have the answer, probably drop in a comment. So uh, I think coming back to the topic of things we liked this year, uh, Ultraviolet's motorcycle is something I, I liked, although, of course, neither one of us has seen it in person. And I don't think it's coming out anytime soon, right? No, I don't think so. Looking at the motorcycle, the prototype, I don't think it's production ready. Yeah, what else, what else? I quite liked the, the new Triumph Rocket 3. And the pricing, the pricing 18 lakhs X showroom. I think that's that's... A killer pricing for that oh, motorcycle. Oh, I, I didn't know about the price, but I am actually talking about that motorcycle for two reasons. First is a 2500cc engine on a motorcycle is like ridiculous. It's mad and it's absolutely unnecessary yet very desirable. Yeah, 2300cc was the engine size for the previous version. And I don't think even that was necessary in 2500cc. What was the what was the need of increasing the capacity? That's That's beyond me. Yeah, probably because of the new emission norms. But anyway, uh, apart from that, the, the reason I'm talking about that motorcycle is because the, of the Triumph connectivity system that they have added on that. Of course, we have been seeing it for a while on the recent Triumph launches. I think the, the new Scrambler 1200 also had it and a couple of other Triumph motorcycles. And they plan to add that system on many of the upcoming launches. Absolutely. I think Triumph did a stellar job with it. That is something which is very crucial very important to the rider and I don't know why other companies delayed it by so much but I think Triumph is, Triumph is leading the way in this regards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, only a while ago, KTM launched the KTM Duke 390, the updated version which had a TFT console and uh, mobile connectivity and people were blown away by that and now triumph has simply I, I mean of course they are operating at a very different price point but triumph has simply outdone that i think it gets google maps navigation plus uh, gopro connectivity absolutely because the display it might look aesthetically good but it should also have the kind of functionality which helps the rider and that's where triumph is really doing a good job yeah and more than that all the modern motorcycles, like they are loaded with sensors and like adding connectivity is not such a big deal. 
the motorcycles that we ride on a daily basis ktm duke 390s even if you uh, connect a obd scanner you'll realize the kind of data it is generating it is only a matter of giving people access to their data and maybe finding more value in it and that's what triumph has done two functions which uh, stand out out of the list was google map integration right and gopro uh, controls how important are they to the riders Right. Yeah, I I can maybe do without the GoPro controls, but yes, navigation most certainly. Yeah, I don't need to put my phone on the handlebar anymore, right? How convenient is it? It's it's amazing, I think so. I've always been looking for new phone mounts to put on one kind of handlebar or the other, right? I think I would want it in my motorcycle and if I have it, I can't live without it. I would want all other motorcycle manufacturers to bring into their lineup as soon as possible. I I think we don't really get a lot of these motorcycles but uh, I think most of the premium KTMs now have features like this. I'm I'm not sure about the navigation though because I read somewhere that Google Maps has first time done something like this with a with a motorcycle manufacturer. And uh, these motorcycles like Triumph Tiger or Scrambler these motorcycles are meant to explore right and navigation is one of the most important things these these motorcycles should have so that that makes google map integration such a crucial part of it yeah and actually so far google has been i would say keeping a tight control on who they allow to actually use navigation because even if you look at the apps that you use you would realize that they don't really allow navigation in app to anyone like typically if you are navigating to some place they'll they'll require redirection to google maps app only so this is actually a big deal why do you think google made uh, an exception for triumph are they are they realizing that they they should uh, step into the space now it's it's about time i think there are there are two parts to it first part is i'm i'm pretty sure triumph is paying them good money for this and second part is of course they they realize that we are talking about a, a motorcycle manufacturer here and this would simply be better user experience and uh, even this this triumph uh, connectivity system is not really a, a free feature that you get on the motorcycle you actually have to pay an additional fee i'm not i'm not sure about the fee but i believe that is the fee. I, i think so but triumph uh, connectivity they they are offering a module which you can also connect to your previous gen motorcycles so that's that's great Oh is that so I I thought this was uh, something new that came out on the Explorer and Rocket only and since we are talking about uh, consoles let's also talk about infotainment systems and cars how great they have become in the last 10 years right especially in the case of Tesla right Tesla Model S or Tesla Model 3 it has got a giant screen in the middle for an inf- infotainment system it's almost like a laptop it works like a laptop where you can pretty much change the functions or anything every bit of the car can be operated from just that one screen one infotainment system that's true but i i think it's not just the the teslas i, I mean uh, of course coming from a tech background tesla is sort of seen as the poster child for innovation but even the bmws all all the germans even ford and pretty much every other car manufacturer they've actually moved forward significantly to sort of make a coherent connected car that works towards making a great ux for the driver that's a valid point i think that's why it's a it's a massive topic and we need to save it for some other episode let's let's talk about uh, data security what what do you think about it? i've been recently reading up a write up by some researcher in caltech who 
claims that our cars actually generate as much as 25 GBs of data per hour they are in use. I mean, that is a massive amount of data. And of course, we know for a fact, a lot of the German cars, they, they come with almost like 300, 400 gigs of space. I mean, that is a lot. And really, none of us know what is happening with this data. You you look up the privacy policies on the website of Chevrolet and all, and like it's just vague terminology. And that's scary, right? That's scary. That's so much of our data, like where we are going, our, our, everything about a car. And there are no regulations, proper regulations in place. How soon do you think uh, people are going to realize about it and demand our governments or authorities to have a proper look at it? Uh, I think the conversation around this has already started. Uh, I mean, you'd look at forums, you'd look at the Reddit threads. But do you think people, we as consumers, are going to push the authorities or authorities are going to realize this before we make an issue out of it? I think the conversations have already started. I mean, this this story and the, the narrative I'm quoting from the Caltech researcher, this was also, I think I read it, Seattle Times. So people actually are concerned about this stuff. A lot of people are demanding this stuff. But this has started with, the, I would say, the enthusiasts first. They have realized the kind of data they are generating. And I think it will eventually trickle down to the masses. Like, we should soon see something maybe from the automakers in order to stop the governments from actually jumping in and determining the like drawing the line for them so it there is a very good possibility that the the manufacturers will sit together on a table and design some sort of guidelines for this what do you think i think you're right and we're talking about data right and what about security because all these cars are connected now and uh, an end consumer will always be worried about his or her product, a car, right? Uh, getting into the hands of hackers, hackers hacking into the system and taking proper control of the car. Yeah, that is true. And we have actually seen some instances of it, not not really as an incident. Yes, I, I saw a video on YouTube. I think there were some people who hacked into a Ford car and got proper control of the car. Was it a Ford or a Jeep? I think it was a Jeep. You're right. That's yeah. right. And uh, a hacker hacking into the system could break or shut down the engine remotely uh, on the freeway. That's scary. That's proper Hollywood, sci-fi movie, whatever. That that kind of shit. Yeah, that is that is totally scary. Although whatever we have seen so far wasn't really crime, but rather researchers exhibiting the the potential consequences. I would say. Or the loopholes. Yeah, rather the loopholes. But yes, that is. A total possibility. In fact, a lot of us actually use these OBD devices. I think more than the car companies, I am scared of the smaller players jumping in here. So OBD devices are basically small devices that may or may not have connectivity options like SIM and can be plugged into like like right below the dashboard on your car. It can actually provide a lot of data coming in from the sensors placed in your car and can also take over a lot of controls, right? Now, uh, I am more scared of smaller players who basically sell these aftermarket OVD devices that many unsuspecting customers buy simply for keeping a better track of their car or for for basic purposes like keeping them safe from thieves, right? But the problem is these guys are not as much 
under scrutiny compared to a giant like Toyota or Volkswagen or Ford. If someone is going to mess up, I think these guys are more likely compared to a Toyota or a Ford. Uh, that's true. If as a consumer, I'll be scared that my data is at risk. If I if I buy a very a cheap uh, chip of the internet. Right, and it is similar to what we have seen with IoT devices, Internet of Thing devices. Like people buy cheap, colorful lights and uh, this kind of stuff that they put in their home, connect to their home network. But because it was built by some small company who didn't bother much about security protocols or actually going through a thorough testing or research, they make the whole network unsafe. Similar would be the scenario with cars. Do you think the government spying on us also comes into this this issue? Well, how, how do you think our privacy is getting uh, is at risk because of this? Oh, it it is certainly a possibility. I mean, even with cell phone manufacturers like our, our, our mobile phones, they they collect so much of data about us, and we have seen instances where the government has requested Apple or Google or or similar companies to provide data about someone who's on trial right what is actually stopping them from going to a car company and asking for a similar data okay akshay i think we have scared the audience enough and it's not all dark is it so the data these companies are acquiring from these cars are being put to use in for good good things right yeah absolutely i i think the dark part follows the fir- the first thing that arrived with all this data were of course the good features that we were talking about in the beginning of this podcast like the the triumph infotainment and everything and in addition to that the the data collected from all these cars can also be put to a lot of other uses like you can get a general sense of the road conditions for instance so the car companies can actually help city planners for infrastructure development they can actually give them better data on where cars are being used are we talking about ml and ai anyway in this i, I think we don't really need to uh, jump to ai for everything i mean of course it, it it may or may not have a play but before anything it is just straightforward analytics and using the data to make sense of what is going on in the world like of course car companies will continue using these buzzwords like like we recently saw mg launch the hector in india and it comes with a massive ugly chrome label that says uh, that's 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 really gross yeah like they they put a sim card in it or or network connectivity in it and they they placed a label of internet inside inside are you kidding me internet inside yeah like could have chosen to be a bit more creative like it straightforward feels like a derivative of intel inside so come on mg think harder please right but uh, apart from that uh, i i think this has a lot of scope at the individual car level as well as the analytics level like at individual car level like we see mercedes using it to dynamically adjust the suspension the magnetorheological or electrorheological suspension it actually adjusts on the fly to accommodate for the road conditions in front i mean that is a pretty cool use a lot of data is being generated but it is staying at the car level only but you can also consider the fact that all of this data can also be we are, we are not sure if mercedes is doing that or plans to do that but all of this can also be like directed to mercedes and they can probably imp- improve their in car maps they can help the mapping companies improve about the road conditions 
about the traffic patterns, about the usage pattern of people, and honestly, the possibilities are endless with it. Uh, that's 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 interesting. Yeah. In fact, uh, if I remember right, Intel was recently doing a sort of a pilot project, or I'm not sure if it was just a PR op. But Intel announced that they have got a data set on the road conditions on in, in Hyderabad and Bangalore in India. So Intel is um, inviting startups and uh, institutions to actually use the massive amount of data that they've collected on the road conditions and use that to improve the mapping tools and everything so that we can actually minimize the number of incidents caused by the road conditions. Isn't uh, one of our friends exactly working on something like this? Are you talking about intent? Yes, yes, yes. So the objective, I would say, is very similar. The idea is to map out road conditions which can be used by, like, for us simply when we are looking for good roads to drive, to logistic companies, to anyone, anyone in the world who can actually benefit from knowing road conditions right to the development authorities and everyone but they are actually instead of relying on images they are relying on mobile sensors uh, that that are in the phone already and using that data to compile the the condition of the road isn't that cool absolutely i mean i in the first place couldn't wrap my head around the fact that my my phone sitting in my pocket can actually do that much like it's capable of doing that much it's it's simple but it's very effective the idea is very, very amazing. I think so. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I, I think we have actually covered a, a lot of different topics in in this podcast. We actually drafted a much, much bigger list, but I, th- I think it would really be going overboard. Let's yeah, let's save other topics for our next episode. That gives us a head a head start with the preparation of the next episode. So hopefully, episode two is coming. We don't know after that, but at least episode two is for sure. Hopefully you liked it. So stay tuned. Yeah. And this was our very first attempt at it. So of course, all the feedback is welcome. Thank you very much for listening.